Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. There is. I'm Chris Casenza. <laughs> I'm Scott Long. <laughs> Best poker podcast there is. There is. I always, I always get a little misty when we reach the month of June for our show because that's the month that we launched everything. And, yes, uh, that's right. We're it's, about two weeks away from the what thirteenth anniversary 13th of the show. anniversary. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. Away from the tenth anniversary of the company. So wow, how, how are we doing this? Uh, that's a question I ask myself every day, <laughs> <laughs> and I never have a good answer. So, <laughs> so we just keep going until we get the good answer. Then we quit. <laughs> so don't go for the good answer for a while. <laughs> so what's new? Anything new? Uh, well, no, I'm not in the hospital anymore, so that's good. You in the hospital? Never no, heard of that. First time in my life, other than when uh, my mom popped me out, uh, <laughs> and no desire to go back. By the way, <laughs> good. Now you can't hold it over our heads. Like that's all you ever used to do. Is like I never get sick. I've never been. Now you get sick and you go to the hospital. Yes, well, technically I didn't get sick. I got stung by a hornet. I found out it was a hornet today, not a wasp. <laughs> No, no, but I mean, you recently you've been sick, like just been sick. Like you used to say, you never got sick, and it was your alcoholism that kept you, uh, you know, <laughs> kept you immune. But now that you're sick and getting stung and being put in the hospital, it's like you're human, like the rest of us. It's great. I'm Yvonne Drago. I got cut. <laughs> if he dies, he dies <laughs> in the hospital. <laughs> but yeah, so that was a very enjoyable Memorial Day for I'm me. Sure. Now I'm back in quasi healthy. I still got a Popeye arm, but my Popeye hand is gone. Jeez, so. that's crazy. Yeah. It was freaky, freaky. But. but anyhow, people don't tune into the show to hear about our maladies. So no. Uh, the World Series of Poker has released its 2018-19 circuit schedule with a record 28 stops. It kicks off in August at Harris Cherokee and ends in May at Harris New Orleans. Some other changes this year include more starting chips. They'll start with 15000 in the 400-hour events and 30000 in main events. Buy-ins have increased slightly for, uh, with the former 365 events, now 400, and main events, now 1700 And the big blind ante will be used in some events as that continues to get rolled out around the country. Makes sense. Those round numbers are a lot easier to, to write for like our results and for people to come up with four Benjamins rather than 365 and getting changed. So probably streamline things, too, in the $1,700 main event as well, so... Makes yeah, sense. and I didn't look into the uh, the breakdown, uh, but I know they did say um, uh, that uh, the increased buy-ins will increase the prize pool. So a portion of it, at least a portion of it, is going to the prize pool yeah. and not entry fee. I mean, I imagine some of it's also going to entry fees as well too. But um, but you know, this is something we deal with on the cruise too. You know, we used to do a. Um, you know, a seventy-five dollar buy-in, and then you know, it's a little harder if you do if you do a hundred-dollar buy-in. People just give you a hundred-dollar bill, and you don't have to worry about change. So, 
sometimes it's a convenience thing that people people don't really mind. And I mean, you look at the main event that used to be sixteen fifty, now it's seven seventeen hundred. It's an extra fifty bucks. You know, if a decent chunk of that goes to prize pool, yeah, I guess that's easier. You're still counting out seventeen bills there, so I guess that doesn't really matter. Yeah. But the three sixty five and the and the four, I mean, three sixty five. That's a lot of change being spread out there because you know no one's buying in with three hundred sixty five dollars. I'm sure everybody's buying in with four bills and. So they're cycling through fives and slowing up the registration. So there is some advantage to it, even if it, some of it goes to the rake. But, um, but you know, you also I'll give them credit. When you do that, then you make the, the value of the tournament better, and they, they added more starting chips. So, you know, unless they monkeyed with the structures to, um, you know, mitigate that, uh, you're, you're getting more value. So you're Stepping you know. on my toes, man. I was going to say that. <laughs> I was getting ready to say that, but you just sure you were. You droned yeah. on and on. I can never get a word in edgewise. I wanted to say that. Now I got nothing to say. Oh, that's all right. No one wants to hear you talking anymore. What about the big blind Annie? We can talk about that again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true though. As long as they don't screw with the the lengths of the levels and they don't remove levels, you're paying a little more, but you're getting more chips. So you know they'll probably do like a sixty forty split on that difference of the money that you know sixty of it goes to the prize and forty of them or something like that, but. Uh, just that's cool. I mean, and their their schedule continues to grow. I remember when it was only like, there was a handful of WSOPC. I was like six or something a year. Remember that? Yeah, way so. back when, when like Chris Ferguson was winning them and stuff. That was way back when. And they still have one more spot to announce. I imagine that's just a contract thing that hasn't been uh, taken care of yet. And then, uh, but I'm always excited too that uh, there'll be two stops at Thunder Valley Casino Resort this year, which is always. Um, my favorite place to play and our biggest partner and so at one point i want to get out there and actually play a circuit event at a property that supports us so that would yeah. be a great spot for me so i look forward to them doing well with, yeah. uh, with two events out there so. sure. all right poker stars fresh off a trial of split hold'em which features two separate boards is testing yet another hold'em variant showtime hold'em at the apollo <laughs> that was jazz hands if you didn't see it oh, showtime okay, uh, when a player mucks, uh, his cards uh, are shown to all rather than mucked uh, immediately. Uh, some poker stars pros produce a video discussing the strategic considerations of this new variant, which includes shifting odds on flush and straight draws, as well as a big window in the types of hands your opponents fold. Now, I guess I should have gone and watched the video. I imagine you did, right? Uh, no. No. Uh, okay, great. We're, we're wonderful hosts today. Then, yeah, we? We, I didn't watch the video uh, because I knew what was going on. So, it, it's to me, it's it's just another reason for people to make fun of me. Like you folded that, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I mean, I am all for, uh, people being able to calculate their odds and keep track of all those cards. It kind of brings a stud element back into it now. Cause you get to see all the cards that are gone. Um, but to me, it's just another way of people to ridicule the way I play, you know, wait, you're, you're, you're in the cutoff, and you got a king in your hand, and you didn't raise. You folded. What's wrong with you? So I don't know. I don't know if I would want to play this way. Um, well, I, I like the I like the creativity, and the split hold'em is interesting as well too. Um, so I, I like that there's a company out there coming up with new things. I mean, ultimately, players decide whether they are good or not um, based on whether they play it and like it. So it doesn't hurt to create. Um, this one was interesting because the article was not – I didn't think uh, – and I was reading – the article I read was from Poker News. wasn't crystal clear at the beginning. I was thinking when I first read it that at the end of the hand, you got to see all the cards, uh, which I guess you 
do online now. It's so long since I played online, but you can go back and look, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but no, it sounds like they, as soon as you mock, the cards are turned over, so you know uh, what they have. So, uh, position becomes a much bigger deal in this game, doesn't it? I would yeah. think, yeah. because now. You know, before you were already, uh, you got the button and it folded around. You're emboldened to, to raise with really any two cards. But now you, you you can see maybe if four people will fold at aces. Right, <laughs> before, yeah, kings. You might as well raise now, and then then you don't have to worry about that ace coming. Um, um, well, I think it would be interesting, and you mentioned this, uh, the very, uh, how close it is to stud. I would wonder, I would like to put, a bunch of stud players in this game and see how much better they do at it than hold'em players. Yeah. I think this would be a big advantage for stud players um, transitioning to hold'em now because they're used to counting cards and, and remembering which cards were folded um, and, and have those skills a little bit more than, than hold'em players, which, you know, you never see the cards unless somebody turns them over. So um, they would really be the ones that I think would benefit the most from this. But um it's interesting that you mentioned uh, people making fun of you because that was one of the comments from one of the, the, the pros. He's uh, like, I'm a nitty pro. Now people are going to think I'm maybe a nittier. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they're they're going to see I, I fold these good hands. So, um, But, you know, I wonder the other the – re- there's always reverse strategic considerations in these, right? Right. Um, so I wonder how many people are going to fold hands at certain times that they wouldn't normally – to give that impression. You know, we're always trying to get people to think that we're doing something different than we do, right? Exactly. So, I mean, there might be some advantage in some spots to throw away a hand that you would normally play to prove that you're tighter. Now you can actually prove that you're tighter, right? Right. It's not just that you're folding to a bet, but you're folding a big hand to a bet. Um, and then be able to come back later and um, and use that to your advantage in some way. I don't know. but Yeah, I, I was thinking of that as well. It, it's... There's a lot of pressure on you now. There's more pressure on you um, in, in a sense that everything you're doing is being revealed, essentially, except for when you play the hand. And even then, there are certain times when those cards will be exposed, too. And that's the other thing. One thing I didn't check because of the video was whether or not at the end, I guess at the end, too. So it's, it's not just, is it just preflop or is it at the end? Oh, no, I assume it's any time. So, yeah, I, I guess a key point would be if the winner has to show. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so because it's just muck. Right when players muck. Yeah, I don't know that that would be a big that would be a big uh, decision point there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to, whether you do it or not. Um, I, I think it also it really puts a premium on understanding the personality of the players you're playing, which, which is always pretty important as it is. But um, I, I think it gives you more. Um, I think there's some pressure here because if you are a person that feels insecure in your game or insecure as a person and you don't like people to mock you, as we just mentioned, right? Right. I would think now you're going to hold on to more hands than you would, wouldn't you? I think so, and that's that's not right. Which is not good, yeah, right? Not so, good. But now if you, could, if you could find those players in this game, those players are the most exploitable, I think, because now... You know, I could see some of them like, gosh, I, I really want to fold, but I, they're going to laugh at me if I fold this hand, so I'm going to fall. And so I, I think it might be a more aggressive game because of that. I think uh, anonymity is one of the reasons people like to play online. It's not that you wouldn't still be anonymous because if you use a different avatar name or whatever, but this sort of pokes a hole and, you know, people are going to start looking for you because they know a lot more about you than you did in the, they did in the beginning, so... I don't know. 
Very interesting. Well, and then I, I guess too, if if you follow up the theory I just had that people are less likely to fold because out of embarrassment, it's going to be much harder to bluff in this game, then, right? Yeah, I think so. And you go back to the whole uh, Matasau Reamer fight from <laughs> you can't bluff a calling station, right? Yeah. So now you're now you're turning people into calling stations, and if you were your game is all bluffs and pushing people off hands. You know, unless people those people don't want to play this, which is a real possibility, um, your game is going to be messed up. <laughs> well, too. I, I actually, this is what I mean. I, I've never done the Twitch thing, but this might be a a game that I might want to jump on the Twitch bandwagon and watch watch how it plays out. I, I think this would be much more interesting to me than a normal poker game from that standpoint. Yeah. The other question too is I I didn't. We, we didn't talk about this quickly, but the split hold them. So that's just basically double flop, right? We, which we've been playing for years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. I think that's exactly two two door boards and uh, you know two winners or or one winner if you one win both. Winner of each board. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that we used to play that at Derby Lane, and we played in our home game. So. Yeah, I don't think we very often played at No Limit though. <laughs> so. No, not not that often. Every once in a while, somebody will call it because they're stuck or something. Yeah. But but for the most part, yeah, we don't play at No Limit. That's that's exciting stuff right there. When you've locked up one board, well, you're that's, shoving. That's, PLL, PLL or big O level excitement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was speaking right. of anniversaries. Yeah. Uh, I, I was, I think I was actually looking on ESPN to see like a baseball score or something. And then I saw in the corner, uh, there was a story by Bernard Lee who, who works for ESPN now um, uh, on the piece on the 15 year anniversary of Chris Moneymaker's uh, WSOP win. Um, and I thought this was really interesting. And I, I, to me, I think it's, it might've been around, for a while, this, this this information, but it was new to me. Maybe because we've sort of shifted our magazine toward more and more everyday players than bigger stories and bigger uh, names, things like that. But um, he he was quoted in this story uh, and had a correction for the poker world. He's this is what he said: "Quote: I found out a few years ago that I qualified into the six hundred and fifty dollar main event satellite through an eighty six dollar one table satellite." He said, I typically played the $39 two-table satellites, so I thought this was that one, or was this the one that I qualified through. But PokerStars did some research and found out it was actually a single-table $86 satellite. So all these years, people have been saying he turned $40 into $2.5 million or whatever it was, but it was an $86 satellite. It was a total <laughs> thing. I'm shocked. Fraud! That's right. Rewrite history. I want to see a 42-second apology video from him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and don't wait seven years either, Chris. That's right. <laughs> After everyone's calling you a fraud for seven years, don't now say, all right, I wish I could have stopped the whole $39 two-table satellite problem. But, but it uh, slowed down the hill like a boulder. It couldn't it, stop. Yeah, it was $86. Good luck, everyone. <laughs> Coming up. Um, I... I I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it's good that uh, it, one. I think it's interesting that PokerStars did research and figured it out. I'm good. That, I'm glad he's talking about it. I, I don't. To me, it doesn't really matter whether no. what he got in for thirty nine bucks or eighty six bucks. Either way, it's still the most one of the most incredible poker stories ever. So, yeah. Um, so I, I can't imagine there's anybody out there mocking him over this. But if there are, I'm like, geez, get a new hobby, folks. Yeah, no. And and the story was nice. It was a cool story about how his life is way better now than it was when this all happened and you know back when we worked at uh, TBT and the Times and stuff I had written a piece about how this was of course 10 years ago so this is when it makes sense 
was when um, his life was falling apart. And I was like, he, you know what? He had so many correlations to like John Daly. He was like the John Daly of poker. You know, this this guy who came out of nowhere, sort of an amateurish type person who wins this big event, then has uh, drinking problems and 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 uh, uh, marital problems and all that. And now his life is, you know, his, his he's got another wife, he's got kids, and he's he's just he's content with who he is and how he plays, and he loves to play smaller events and. Um, He's, you know, he's just, he's, he's much happier now, and it's great. Fifteen years later, he's, his life is, is the best it's ever been. So it was a nice little piece on him. But when I saw that, I was like, holy cow, I wonder if, like, that's popular news or not. And I, and I didn't think it was. I hadn't heard about it, so you're, you're breaking news so, for me. There so. you go. So that's all we really care about anyway. It's shattering my, vim, my, my image to the champion. <laughs> hey, any updates? <laughs> we just announced our 2019 Annie Up Poker Cruise schedule, which includes a 16-night Panama Canal crossing, an 8-night Southern Caribbean adventure, and two shorter weekend cruises. Passengers on all sailings get a one-month membership to advanced poker training and a quick reference poker odds card from thegamblingschool.com. For more information, visit AnnieUpCruises.com. Also, join the Annie Up Fans Group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call to floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Go to Facebook and search for Annie Up Fans. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast@annieupmagazine.com. And if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we'll send them something cool. This comes from Mr. Anonymous. Uh, he says, "Have uh, have you ever heard of a poker game with the players are hooked up to lie detectors? A mix of known hole cards and lie detectors would be new and interesting. Uh, I've never uh, heard of it. No, I, I, they did I like heartbeats, this, though, right? I yeah, I like this question a lot because I think, in theory, it sounds like this would be fascinating. Uh, but the more I thought about it in practice, I don't know how this works. Right? Right." Uh, because, and I'm not talking about the technology part of it, but I'm talking about, you know, the reason you have lie detectors is because someone's already done something and you're trying to find out whether they did it, right? Right. So you can see their heart going up when they're lying. Um, if if I'm hooked, I'm in a poker game and I am hooked up to a lie detector and I know that if I'm bluffing, the needle's going to spike, I'm not going to bluff. Or you know, or or whatever the lie is that I'm trying to tell, right? Right. So it, it changes the behavior to the point that the behavior doesn't exist anymore. If you believe in the whole lie detector thing, which I know there's a lot of you know controversy over whether they actually work or not, but yeah, yeah. I guess that's the difference is you're you're trying to uh, take something that's supposed to be a a post event detector and apply it to a current yeah, situation. Exactly. <clears throat> the other thing is that. If you knew you were going to be put in this position, wouldn't you do everything you could to read up on how to fool oh, yeah. lie detectors? Yeah. yeah. And then you'd stick that little tack in your shoe and stick your toe into it every time you were going to do something. And, um, but I do remember uh, there was a show, it was probably one of those like Fox Sports ones or whatever, but they had they had heart rates hooked up to the players. And you could see how their heart raced when they had a big hand or when they were making a big bluff. Um, but it was, it's like, you couldn't tell the difference between the two, you know? So I don't know. I mean, the lying detector, I guess would tell the difference if you were bluffing if, if in real time, I don't know if it would or not, like you said, but, uh, I know if I was going to be forced to do that, I would be reading up on how to make it all look the same. So, 
Interesting. Yeah, so I guess that's where it get interesting. I mean, going back to our Showtime thing, it's, it's that reverse strategy part, right? That, yeah. you know, you would have to, I mean, it would be a whole other thing. I mean, that advanced poker training would add a lie detector, <laughs> right? Because you'd, you'd want to sit there and practice all day long and see how the needle moves based on how you're bluffing or what you're doing or how you're saying, and then and then play opposite of that. So yeah. at that point, then, then now you're all whole on that, that, Friends episode seventh level now, where <laughs> the initial idea is no longer as exciting as it was because it's it, it's a whole different thing. So <laughs> interesting discussion, but yeah, I don't I don't see this um, being all that interesting in practice. But. Plus, can you imagine like uh, the, the amount of effort it would take to do this? You'd have to hook up everybody with that chest thing. You'd have to have the little meter next to it. You'd have to have a person there reading it. And then they, you know, what I mean, and then it's like it's like seven people out of the nine at the table aren't doing anything so the machine's just sitting there and then then the person then you, now you start looking for tells of the person standing behind him reading their lie detector thing <laughs> or you have a really long cord and it brings it into the booth but i mean it just sounds like logistically it would be kind of a nightmare too but uh, well i guess i should also admit i've never taken a lie detector test it's been a while since i've been accused of a crime <laughs> <laughs> um and so I, I don't know what the new technology is i i all i have in my mind is you know the tv show one right, right so right. i'm gonna assume that maybe it's 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 developed a little bit since the 60s right so maybe it's different now i hope it is um but here might be something interesting rather than have it where the players see the needle spiking during the game what this would be something for that could make tv interesting get away with the whole cards we don't know what the cards they have anymore but everybody's hooked up to it and Instead of their whole cards, you see the the needle flipping back and forth on the TV screen. Oh man, I see people. And then you could try to pick out, hey, oh, it's spiking. He must be bluffing. I think people that might be interesting. More interesting. Changing over to Law and Order if they put that on the television. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's some interest I there. I don't know. I don't know. Never know what the not cards lot. are. Just see if their heart races or not. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, no, but, but in general, take away the lie detector <laughs> thing. Uh, I, I don't know. Stick to see your vitals during a, a big hand, wouldn't you? Yeah, I don't know. I'd be interested to know what my vitals were when, when I'm in a tournament that has a bigger buy-in than I'm comfortable in, and I'm in a big hand now where I, it's going to decide whether I actually get a big payday or I get nothing out of it. I'd be interested to see what my heart rate is and breathing and all the other stuff that they woke me up every two hours at the stupid hospital for us. <laughs> well, they do that. I've, I've seen that done, so... And I haven't seen it done again, so I can tell you how well it went over. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game, and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been. Email us at podcastsandannieatmagazine.com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, specializing in poker odds and math at poker911.net comes from greg durismont he says uh playing in a daily tournament that says they follow all tda rules blinds were 200 400 early position player makes it 1300 stating the amount before putting out a 1000 and a 500 dollar chip 500 unit chip player behind raises 2800 the exact amount of chips is used back to the early position player he thinks before putting out one more 1,000 chip and three more 500 chips, total of 4,000 chips, in one motion. Immediately he looks frustrated because he knows he put too much, put out too much. 
Uh, the dealer says it's not a raise because he would need to put in a full minimum raise amount for it to count, 1500 more or 4300 Several players protest that it only needs to be uh, at least half of that to be considered a raise. The floor is called. He says that in this case, you take out the lowest denomination chip, 500 and if the remaining amount is not at least half the minimum raise amount, it is considered a call. Doing so leaves just 3,500 chips, so he says it is just a call of the raise to 2,800. Well, it's hard to follow. I know what he's saying, but it's just hard to follow. Is this correct? All right, good thing we have Elliot here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here uh, you know, it says TDA Rule 49, multiple chip betting. When facing a bet, unless a raise is declared first, a multiple chip, chip bet, including a bet of your last chips, is a call if every chip is needed to make the call. For example, removal of just one of the smallest chips leaves less than the call amount. Example, preflop, $200, $400 blinds, a... A raises to 1,200 total, an 800-hour raise. Player B puts out two 1,000 chips without declaring a raise. This is just a call because removing one 1,000 chip leaves less than the amount to call 1,200. It's a single removal of just one of the smallest chips leaves the call amount or more. The bet is governed by the 50% standard in Rule 46. So Elliot says the floor either misinterpreted this rule or was using Rule 48, which covers the use of a single oversized chip. In any case, the floor um, ignored the last sentence of Rule 49. By Rule 49, the removal of the smallest chip from that player's bet left more than the call amount, making his bet a minimum raise and forcing him to correct his bet to that specific amount. As the bet he was facing was a raise of 1500 and he put in 4000 in multiple chips, the correct amount from that point would be a total of 4300 which is 2800 plus 1500 your instincts were correct here. The dealer was misapplying uh, a rule that defines a raise in no limit betting. Less than a full bet does not actually constitute a raise, but only for the purposes of determining when the action is open after a player moves all in and raises less than the bet they were facing. The floor then made their mistake. Rules 46 to 49 are easily misinterpreted, but are very important to maintaining proper betting and no limit tournaments. And I should say, after this, we, uh, we had a little clarification on the rule numbers so uh, don't necessarily go by these rule numbers because um, there's a rule added somewhere there so they're all off by one I think but okay. but if you go to the TDA poker TDA um, and read the rules you'll, you'll find the right rules uh, two things one uh, IE is in other words not for example thank you very much uh, and two uh, Scott Long would say just say what you want to do and you avoid all these problems <laughs> he's still um, laughing <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, well, Greg posted this on the Any of Fans page on Facebook, so we appreciate that. And there's still a confusion from uh, fans on there about this, and I don't blame them. Um, I, again, I've been in Poker TDA summits. I've been to three of them now, and this this is discussed every year. And I I, I need so much Tylenol after it because yeah. it's so hard to understand what's going on here and, and what it means. To the point that I would never, if I was a floor and got called over for this, I'd be like, eh, I'd wait the white flag. <laughs> I'm out. Um, so, yes, going back to what you said, if you just verbalize it, then all of this is not an issue. But but uh, poker TD, uh, TDs have to figure out a proper procedure for it, and this is what they came up with. And it's very confusing, uh, not only to players, but to dealers and floors. So Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell you, it's... Sometimes it's just uh, you don't know if it's worth uh, going from dealer to floor. You know, you might want to just stay a dealer because you know you probably make less money as a floor and it's harder. We have a new O'Malley's move. Here it comes. 
Cheese Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're playing a garden variety $1-$2 No Limit Hold'em Casino Cash game at our regular casino. It's fairly early in the night. We bought in for $2.50 and currently sit with around $2.25. The blinds post and we're under the gun with the Queen of Hearts, Queen of Clubs. Our standard raise from under the gun in a 1-2 cash game is typically $15, and we don't stray from that here. We raise to 15 It's folded around to the cutoff who calls relatively quickly. He started the hand with 375 and in the short time we've been there, we've noticed his stack has fluctuated a bit, the lowest point being around 200 the highest at what it is now. He bets when he has it, but also knows when to slow down and play cautiously. He's loose and is hard to get off hands. Loves draws and any two face cards. However, we have seen him flip over one monster hand that got him a huge pot. He also plays position well and will usually try to take it away on one street or another, but he rarely double or triple barrel bets. We are heads up with about $30 in the pot and the flop is the king of hearts, four of spades, four of diamonds. This is a pretty safe flop. You can't always be concerned about an overcard to your pair. We put out a little C-bet of $20, and he calls after little thought. With about $70 in the pot, the turn is the nine of clubs. We check, and our opponent leads out for $35. So, it's back to us. Is he playing position, or are we beat? What's the move? This is Noah Brunson, and you're listening to Annie Up. It's time for the AdvancedPokerTraining.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Uh, this week comes from Patrick Hesser. And um, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, all right. He says, I just listened to the most recent podcast and heard you all need some hands of the week. And I happen to have the following that happened the other day. I like this one because I feel this is a common situation. I would like to hear what your all's take is on it, not only in the situation given, but how your decision would change under different circumstances. All right. Well, he's putting us through a test here. Okay. All right. It's a deep stack tournament at a local card room, and he says it's a real deep stack, not just one where they give you more chips and raise the blinds proportionally. <laughs> That's a theme of the show, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, $150 buy-in with a $25 entry fee. Uh, level 9 blinds are 400, uh, 400 ante, 1,000, 2,000 blinds. Uh, the starting stack was fifty thousand. Uh, we are in seat five, which is a middle position with squiggly forty-two, um, and uh, the villains are in seat two, which is undergun plus one with squiggly forty-four k, and then in seat nine, which is a small blind with squiggly sixty k. Uh, the button is in seat eight. Almost everyone at the table are regulars, many of which uh, our hero here has played with before, and the table is playing playing pretty solid ABC poker. Well, nobody's really getting two out of line, some of these players have done some wild stuff in the past. All right, so there's your setup. Okay. Under the gun plus one uh, raises to 5,000. Uh, two more folds, and it's on us in middle position with ace-jack offsuit. Fold. <laughs> I never get tired of laughing at that. I'm sorry, but wouldn't you fold? First of all, I if would. you take the – if you, if you just go with any of the poker books – Sklansky, whatever. They say if you're going to play that hand, that hand better be stronger or as strong as a hand that you would be willing to raise with under the gun plus one when you're facing a raise. I mean, 
to me, I, I wouldn't even play Ace-Jack on another gun plus one. So there's no way I'm going to play it now when someone on another gun plus one raised a 5K. And it's offsuit. I think I'm folding it. So that's what my that's my advice was don't play that hand. And if they're playing ABC, that means they've picked up the books, they've read them, and the books say when you're under the gun plus one, you'll raise with aces, kings, queens, ace, queen, ace, king, ace, king off. and You know what I mean? But there's no way that MP3 ace jack is bigger than under the gun plus one. Right? There's no way. It could be a small pocket pair, but the problem is now you're guessing the rest of the hand. So, you know. Yeah, I just, I just, that's a trap hand to someone who's under the gun plus one would open raise with. And that's a hand I wouldn't play. I'm just sorry. I wouldn't play that hand. I'm not too tight. That, you've got a ton of people behind you to act. And you've got under the gun plus one raising the 5K. Now, I realize the tone of my voice makes it sound like I'm talking down, (laughs) but I'm not. It's just the way I talk. I'm just saying that. Someone raised early, early, you know, almost as early as possible with with a hand. And if they're playing ABC, they're not playing eights there. They're not. They're they're folding small, medium pairs probably because they're playing ABC, or they're calling. If they're raising, I am never going to know that because if they're playing solid ABC poker, which I have here in my note, then hey, I'm folding Ace Jack in the middle position, facing a raise from under the gun plus one. I, I don't see any other way to advise this person, you know. Oh, so we're I the agree. hero, right? So yeah, I don't tell Patrick. I, I don't see why I would, I would, I would call there or raise there. I just wouldn't. Yeah, it's it's just so much trouble to play this hand. Um, you know, uh, you know. I guess I guess if you're gonna play it, it needs to be a raise, but that's gonna get real dangerous as well too. But I would rather raise here and get heads up with one player with a hand that could be, as I mentioned, maybe a pocket pair that we had a chance of beating than I would to try to to be four or five people with this hand. Because um, the problem with Ace Jack again, I mean, you're dominated with Ace Queen or Ace King, which are possibilities for the end of the gun plus one. Um, so if an ace comes, that's bad for you if that's what they have. Um, if you pair your jack, which is the best case scenario, now if somebody has kings or queens, it doesn't help. It makes you, it makes it hard for you as well too. Yeah. You're really playing for a straight here. You're playing for Broadway, I think, and um, that's the only thing I'd feel comfortable with here. Um, you know, maybe two pair, right. might, depending on what it is, might make me feel a bit better um or obviously trips but you know now we're really grasping at straws here so i mean yeah it's all about position we're not in position um and i to me this is an easy fold i would fold this every single time yeah well not there's always when you have to narrow your hands down that you hope to hit to two or three hands like you hope to hit broadway which is never going to happen on the flop you're hoping to hit two pair, and depends on what those two pair are. You're hoping to hit trips. I mean, that's those are three very unlikely scenarios, and you want to put in at least five k for three possible hands to hit. You know, they just they're just letting it go and moving on. You know, it's one hand. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, it wouldn't be hand of the week if that happened. So our hero <laughs> calls. Calls. Okay. Um, folds to the small blind who also call, calls and the big blind folds. So, uh, as you mentioned at the beginning of the hand, uh, we have two villains. So we're three handed and the flop is the queen of hearts and then a seven and a five, uh, no suits mentioned here. And, uh, it is check to us. Oh, well, I mean, if the person who raised obviously acting before us, this is very fishy. 
it's a very dry board. So what it's telling me is this person took if you if you're if you're an ABC poker player and you've read the books <clears throat> you know a, a, a lot of times they'll tell you to let people catch up. We've had this sort of talk about on the show right. recently. If if you flop a set of queens here because under the gun plus 1 would raise with pocket queens and you flopped a set of queens on this board even if it was somehow the under the gun plus 1 ABC player had pocket sevens and flopped a set of sevens and you don't you're not really a advanced player are you betting out here or are you checking i'm checking so unless i have jacks and i'm afraid of that queen and even then you should be emboldened to still bet because you took it control of the hand preflop and all the books tell you to continue to fire that if you give up control of that hand you're never going to get it back so in my mind this person has hit this flop hard and checked to you hoping that you're going to bet and someone else will bet or call and then you can either put the hammer down and re, you know check raise or call and slow play and walk the dogs to me I'm checking right behind with him. I am not bet. First of all, I don't have anything anyway, which I know you could play the player, but you got something behind you to act too. You just you've got it both coming and Actually, going no, here. It's the small blind and then under. Oh, We're small blind. Okay, so two checks to you. I don't well, think you're gonna be able to steal I was it. Say is I I'm also very scared of the small blind here um, because calling a under the gun plus one raise from the small blind is scary to begin with, um, but almost always the small blind is going to check a flop when that happens, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, I'm not suggesting that he's sitting on a set right now, but what I'm suggesting is we don't know what he has um, because there's no reason for him to bet there on this board. So if we think that these checks are weakness, I I don't think we have enough evidence to say that it's weakness. So if we bet now, we could get raised by the small blind. We could get raised by the the other player that we, we think has a better hand. We could get raised by both of them. I guess that's a good scenario, and then we can get out of his hand. But, but throwing uh, money away to do it when we can just yeah, check behind. But yeah, so I'm with you. I'm checking on here. Uh, we got two more cards to go to complete this straight. <laughs> that's what I'm kind of hoping for. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, there, there's nothing I like about this right now, so I'm checking behind as well. Okay, good. We agree. All right. Well, so did our hero. Um, so uh, we go to the turn, which is the Ace of Hearts. So now our board is Queen of Hearts, a Seven, a Five, and an Ace of Hearts. And um, I guess it checks uh, to us again. Well, I mean, at this point, I may put out a feeler bet, see if I could take it down. Obviously, I know Scott's memo is if if they all check to you twice, you got to bet. That's Scott's big thing. There's no way he's not going to bet when it checks around to him twice. So in this case, we've hit our ace. And it got checked to us again. It's like, when's this guy going to try to make money on his hand? But at the same time, it could still be a monster. If he's really smart, he's hoping that you called with an ace so he can get some money out of you. He doesn't want to scare you. So I don't know. Uh, but that's too much thinking. I think t- two checks usually means somebody's worried about something. So I probably would put some money out there. Uh, but I'm still weary. That That initial check has me weary. So... Maybe not. Maybe they're just afraid, and we're just going to take it down. So, let's see. There's about 15 in the pot or so. 21, actually. 21. 21. Okay, so, I don't know. Uh, half the pot? 10, 12, something like that? 10. Yeah, I think that's what you got to do. I mean, the other school of thought, I think, would be to check behind and then um, 
either try to win this on showdown or put a bet there with a check the three times around that I'm definitely betting. But then at that point, you're not going to get any value out of it. You know, you might get somebody here that that's willing to call. Uh, we could still be behind. I mean, who knows still, but I mean, I, I think you have to put something in here. Uh, no, no one's taking a stab at this pot and we, we are, we just improved, not necessarily the card that we probably would want to improve with, but we improved. So, I'm putting 10, 10k in here and and hoping I get out of this mess with a with a nice pot that I really don't deserve. Because that's twenty five percent of your stack too. So you know, I mean, making a stab at this to make fifteen grand, I guess is is probably worth it. I don't know. I may also check and then you know, I, I guess it depends how I feel. But there's there's some play here that you could check too, and you know, just go to showdown and make ten grand on the hand without putting a quarter of your stack out, but. If you really feel like this guy hit a hand, this player, whatever, hit, hit the hand, and it's just hoping that you to bet, then maybe you do check behind and you call a simple river bet and take it down. And But I think you're losing value here. It feels to me like two weak checks in a row deserve some sort of bet. Um, but the other thing is, too, is if you get a call, I don't know, are you going to get called by only a better hand? Or are you going to... or you know what I mean? Is somebody yeah. going to say, I don't believe no. you at the ace and I have a queen, maybe? There's a possibility. I think there's a reasonable possibility you get called by a worse hand here. This is one of the, I don't think this is one of those cases where, I mean, anybody with an ace might call here. Um, I mean, a small blind could be on something like an ace six suited or something crazy like that. I don't know. And you get them to call. I mean, this is not one of those scenarios where I think if you get called, you're only going to get called by a better hand. So. Um, well, there's also a very good possibility that someone's got a better hand out there now, too. I mean, I would hate to think the ace-king is playing this so passively. Yeah. But I, I'm willing, at this point, I'm willing to take that chance because no one showed any. I mean, it, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of real good strategy here from ABC players to check around twice <laughs> with with a hand. So right, right. I, I feel pretty confident putting my 10K out there or 11 or whatever it is. So Okay, let's do that. All right, our hero bets 12K. Um, and the small blind folds, but the undergun plus one shoves for 39k. And so not only do we have a decision to make here, but Patrick wants us to put, uh, that player on a range now, which we should have been doing all along, of course. Well, we were, I mean, to me, I I said, I, it feels like, it just feels like this guy raised under the gun plus one with an under the gun plus one ABC hand, which could be ace queen. Uh, and he thought that he hit the hard, hit hard, and wanted to make sure someone, you know, didn't bet somebody off. There are a lot of people who, who don't want to lose you or don't want to bet. And then there's some people who hit it really hard. So I, I can easily put this person on a set or ace queen and has us crushed, or even ace king. You know, even I can ace king, even ace king. <clears throat> That's right. Um, it, it's kind of a creative play way to play ace king here. I think you know, so you you, you didn't hit the flop. Um, normally people would say you should see bet there, but you didn't. And then the person behind you didn't check. So, all right, free card. Then you hit one of your cards in the turn. Let's check one more time to see if anybody takes a stab at this. And then somebody took a stab at it because again, what we just talked about, everybody checks twice. That last person, which is us needs, needs to bet here with whatever we have. All right. So that, that's a good way of getting value because if you would have bet that ACE, I mean, I, knowing what we have, we, there's a good chance you would think that person might call. But if we had nothing, the hand's over, and the guy gets 21K out of us. 
One of the things I wonder By about... checking now, he gets another... He'll get at least 36k out of it, and more if we call. If he had Ace-King, wouldn't he have bet it when he saw it? Because if he, if he doesn't bet it there, then he's a much giving, he's much more thoughtful than we were giving him credit for. And if he's that exactly. thoughtful, then he would have bet the flop because he's a thoughtful player who knows he should take control of the hand and keep going with it. So I really feel like this is a set of queens. If I had to put him on something, I would guess... That's a very good possibility as well, too. Absolutely. If he's that thoughtful to check Ace King again on that turn, then he's thoughtful to know that he had Ace King pre flop, post flop, and should have bet the post flop. So I don't know. I feel like Queens. I have so much time to think about it. We literally have, you know, half an hour on the show to do it. Yeah. Whereas. Be surprised with Queens. Team. I wouldn't be surprised with Ace King. I wouldn't be surprised with another set as well, too, yeah. although it's likely. Uh, I'm having trouble coming up with hands that we have beat here, though. Right. So. You know, if he's asking for a range, I'm putting uh, the range is us losing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ace-10 is like the only hand that somebody who doesn't know what they're doing under the gun or under the gun plus one would raise with. And then now, but then again, you'd still, I don't know. I, I just don't see, like you said, I agree with you, unless it's something like Kings. But, you know, and then he believed, oh, you were just trying to represent the ace. I don't believe you. Now I'm shoving. But that doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't you bet the flop then? Yeah, that's a much more difficult uh, line to take there, yeah. I think. Yeah. Because, you know, now now you're, you're <laughs> uh, not to play current events, but now you're you're stirring up a hornet's nest there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a I'm set of queens. I'm a hornet. <laughs> or it could be ace-queen, uh, and the person just overvalues what he did, what he got, you know, thinking, oh, this is really a big flop for me. Let me check it, and then, but right, right. it really feels like a set of, set of queens, and he's hoping somebody bets and catches up. Just doesn't seem like it's anything we can beat at this point. So, yeah. you know, we, we took the stab, and now we, we you know we lost seventeen thousand of our fifty k stack on a hand that we shouldn't have played, and, and but we still got enough to play and come back with. So well, let's learn from it. So. And the interesting thing too is that's the second heart on the board. But it doesn't seem like he was trying to protect that either. So he wasn't no. worried about protecting against that. That's why it makes it even more. Seems like uh, even though a set loses to a flush, it just seems like this person just was not worried about about losing out or about you know what I mean. Just he just bet when he when he finally got someone to, to put some yeah. money in. I mean, if he's trying to protect his hand, there's no reason he would have checked to us. So. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, he didn't have the result in the original email, but I think in the follow up he uh, he did. So. Uh, oh. Okay. Hold on here. Uh, let's see. I'll fill the time by singing uh, show tunes. From <laughs> All right, so Patrick says, the flop check seemed uh, weak to me, so I discounted a, a pair of jacks or better uh, or queen X, leaving hands like ace-10, ace-king, 10-10, and suited connectors. Ultimately, I decided he had a flush draw and was overbetting to shut down the hand. I called, and he showed ace-king, which held. Oh, ace-king. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting yeah. that he checked again, right? We, that's what we talked about, how we didn't think Ace-King would check again unless he knew what he was doing. If he knew what he was doing, why wouldn't he see bet? So that's interesting. He, he took both sides of that, the weak side. Well, of the it could also be, I mean, we also have to remember that uh, all players, ours self included, including ABC players, make mistakes in the middle of the hand. It's not like they have a strategy that plays out the entire hand, right? That's so yeah. I, I think it could be possible that he saw that flop and like, ugh. I missed. I don't want to commit chips, and then realize after he did that that it might be a mistake. And then at that point, I'll give him credit for being very strategic on the turn and inducing us to bet. Um, but maybe he's just very passive at that point. And then after we bet and realize, hey, I need to 
I need to get some out of it. But I, I, I think, I, I think that was his strategy on the turn was, Hey, let's play this twice, check around and get somebody to bet. And that's my chance of getting value. Did, did you say he, we folded though? Or did we call? Um, hold on. Uh, I called. Yeah, he called. So he did call. Wow. Yeah. I just, I, I don't see a hand we beat there and we didn't, we lost. That's, that sucks. But I, I just, again, it just seems so fishy. You know, and then even if he was on a flush draw, would he do that with one card to come? He would do it with two cards to come, but I don't think yeah, he would do it with one to it's come. It's a difficult thing to put my tournament life on the line there to to try to a semi bluff there, which is really what it is, right? If you had two hearts right. and then, you know if you get called, then then you know you have one chance to hit it versus as you mentioned two. We would had it before, but. The other uh, thing too is, is for Patrick's standpoint, I wouldn't want to lose my tournament or put my tournament on the life on ace jack with one one pair i would never want to call off yeah. my entire stack with one pair i just wouldn't i would want it better than one pair or at least have the possibility of two more cards to come for a big hand like an open and straight flush draw or a straight draw or a flush draw and that, to me that just one pair with a terrible kicker i'm not putting my life on the line for that at all there's so many hands that beat us there yeah that's tough tough situation hey i'm chris casenza and i'm sky long we'll see you at the table Anti-Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. <laughs>